Friends, please stand for the call to worship. This is the night that Christ gathered with his disciples in the upper room. This is the night that Christ, the Lamb of God, gave himself into the hands of those who would slay him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Please be seated.
and welcome to the first of these twin holy nights that mark Holy Week in such a sacred way. We will pray now our prayer of confession, which you'll find printed in your bulletin. Let us pray. All-loving God, we carry to this table all of our sin, doubt, shame, and brokenness. We carry the pain we have caused ourselves and others. We carry everything that has separated us from you. We carry the weight of the world's lostness. We come with our hunger and our thirst for you. Wash us, heal us, free us. Friends, we know that the theme of this week is that God is all mercy. God is all grace. God forgives us again and again and again. And God brings healing to our hearts. This is our hope. And so, my friends, in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The epistle reading is 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning with the 23rd verse. For I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took a loaf of bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body that is, that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also, after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Friends, we are in the midst of our Holy Week worship, and today the church celebrates Monday, Thursday. Dr. Howell referred to, to tonight as the most holy of all communion services that we will celebrate this year. And I'm grateful that we will get to share in that meal together tonight. This is the night that we remember Jesus' last night with his disciples, the night he washes the feet of his disciples who had been in service with him throughout his ministry. And it's the night that Jesus shared in a holy meal with his friends, a holy meal that we will be participating in together. Jesus shared meals frequently in his ministry, uh, but this night was set apart because Jesus' death was imminent and he knew it. He was sharing this meal with the very people who had betrayed him and who would deny him and abandon him at his grave. This would be an easier story for me if Jesus had chosen to spend his last meal with his mother Mary or Mary Magdalene, or his close friends, Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Not in the intentional company of men he knew had sold him out and would deny him for their own protection. It would make Christianity so much easier if Jesus made the communion table a safe and sensible place to dine if he only set the table for people who didn't cause us pain, 
agreed with us on politics, and would be loyal to our dying breath. But that is not the story that we are left with. Jesus is washing the feet and serving a man who sold him for 30 shekels. Judas and the other disciples were unworthy and imperfect men seated at a table with a man who had every reason to leave, but stays with his friend, his friends, and, does, and serves them a meal of perfect grace. This moment in our faith reminds us that there is no sin, no level of betrayal that keeps somebody from being offered grace. Yet we have such a hard time accepting this message that Jesus isn't determining who gets fed and whose feet get washed based on anything other than their inherent worth as beloved children of God. For some of us, it is hard to believe that on Monday, Thursday, Jesus would have washed the feet of politicians banning books in school. For others, it is hard to believe that Jesus would wash the feet of drag queens. The reality is that Jesus would serve CEOs, depressed teens, overwhelmed moms, and alcoholic abusers, NRA lobbyists, and school teachers with the exact same love and tenderness. Monday, Thursday is the day that we are reminded once again, it has never been our job to point fingers to determine who gets a seat at the table. The grace Jesus is offering tonight is for each and every one of us. My experience of being in ministry in friendship with you all is that many of you are really good at realizing there is a seat at the table for others. But a lot of us are not very good at accepting that we have a seat ourselves. That the shame we feel about our anger, our parenting, our productivity, the ways that we have hurt people we love, and even more, the ways that we have convinced ourselves of things about our, of who we are that aren't anyone's faults, like mental illness, aging, getting sick, all of those things and how they convince us what our worth might be. I think we find ourselves asking questions like, who am I when I'm not working? How do the other parents work and show up for their kids? I feel like I can't do either well. She's accomplished so much at her age. What's wrong with me? How does he get so much done in a day? And I feel like I do so little. We are constantly questioning our worth. I have been in a season of walking alongside one of my best friends from college for the past couple of months as she has been living with a debilitating illness. Uh, she was a healthy 29-year-old who loved to hike, travel. She was a teacher at an elementary school. She biked literally everywhere she went, and she was one of those people that lit up a room when she walked into it. In November, she was sick with a viral infection like any one of us could receive, 
And the, vi the virus interacted with her body in a way that led to a complete body shutdown, and she has been dealing with chronic fatigue syndrome ever since. She can't work, she can't do any of the things she loved, and she's been really struggling in this season. She is one of thousands of people living with invisible disabilities. We text almost every day, and she has apologized often to me for feeling like a broken record because every check-in we have with one another is more of the same. Her expressing exhaustion, fear, grief, and sadness. And one of the things that has accompanied this illness for her has been a very deep sense of shame around not getting better yet and not looking sick. I realized as she has shared this sense of shame with me how deeply my spirit as her friend was rejecting this idea that she should experience any degree of shame. My love for this friend was so deep and so built on her inherent belovedness that it wasn't her hiking, her professional success, even her smile that made me love her. I love her because I love her. And the idea that her worth would have shifted at all during this illness was inconceivable to me. So I told her, that walking alongside her in this illness has been a great gift to me and how grateful I am for her and that she didn't feel like a broken record at all because I had been in this really high achieving season of my life as we had texted every day. Ministry has been exciting and high energy. I'd been training for a half marathon. I'd been traveling, seeing friends and just not generally having a season of rest. And to experience this high achieving season alongside a friend who is on a healing journey and not producing in the way the world expects her to caused me to reflect a lot on where I get my sense of worth from. I knew that my friend had worth even without her job, even without her hobbies. And so even in this season of immense grief and fear, I knew that she was loved and I knew that she was good enough. And if I really believed that about her, then I too must extend that same belief that my worth is not because of my job, it's not because of my hobbies, it's not because of the energy I bring into a room. Most of us are much, much better at understanding why others deserve grace rather than accepting that we too deserve grace. And I think Jesus knew this about us. Jesus knew how hard evil works to convince us that we don't deserve grace. And Jesus sets a table and tells us to remember this message every time we gather. Jesus knew that we would keep needing this reminder. Jesus says, even in the midst of your brokenness, even when shame and grief consume you, when you struggle to know your worth, you still belong. You still deserve love. 
Theologian Bell Hooks shares this quote, in the midst of such love, we need never fear abandonment. This is the most precious gift true love offers, the experience of knowing we always belong. This is a table where we always belong, where it doesn't matter how full your social calendar is, how much money you might have, whether or not you drink too much, how nice your home is, if you're estranged from your sister, how great your marriage might be, your title at work, which college you went to, or if medication is the only reason you're getting out of bed every day. You are enough, and the table is set for you. When Jesus looked at the wine and the bread that night, he saw his own body and his own blood, and he saw us as worthy of this ultimate sacrifice. St. Augustine says this about communion. Be what you see, receive who you are, and say amen. Friends, Jesus offers the wholeness of himself to us, the completeness of his love, the fullness of his grace. Be what you see, receive what you are, and say amen. Come, eat, and know that this is where you belong. Amen.
Friends, what joy to gather at this table, those of you who are in the room, those of you who are joining us online. Uh, by some miracle of God's mystical grace, we are one with our Lord at a table on the other side of the earth 2,000 years ago. That is his gift to us. What a privilege. Uh, we will uh, go through the prayers of consecration at the beginning. We'll use these spoken responses, which we haven't in a while. They're on pages 15 and 16 at the front of your hymnal, if you're not familiar with them. After the leaders receive, the ushers will guide you in coming forward. You can receive in uh, several ways. You can receive standing. Somebody will hand you a piece of bread, dip it into the cup, return to your seat by way of the outside aisle. You can receive kneeling. You can also receive, uh, we have packets that are both gluten-friendly and COVID-friendly. And um, this will take some time, but that's the beauty of it, right? It's a sacred night. We're in God's house. We are with the people of God. We receive what we see and who we are. So. Join me in the great thanksgiving. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you. Father, almighty creator of heaven and earth, from earth you bring forth bread and create fruit of the vine. You formed us in your image, delivered us from captivity, and made covenant to be our sovereign God. You fed us manna in the wilderness, and you gave us grapes as evidence of the promised land. And so with your people on earth and with all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your son, Jesus Christ. When we turned aside from your way and abused your gifts, you gave us in him your crowning gift, emptying himself that our joy might be full. He fed the hungry. He healed the sick. He ate with the scorned and forgotten. He washed his disciples' feet and gave a holy meal as a pledge of his abiding presence. By the baptism of his suffering death and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. And so on that most sacred night in which Jesus gave himself up for us, he took bread. And after giving you thanks, he broke the bread he gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup. Again, he gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, Drink from this, all of you, for this is the cup of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we might be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. 
through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your Holy Church, all honor and glory are yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. Now let us pray together as our Lord taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven.
Join me now in our prayer after communion in our bulletin. Eternal God, we give you thanks for this meal shared among friends in the strength of your spirit. We give you thanks for Jesus who has given himself to us. May his presence be the delight and pleasure of our souls, our strength and salvation in all temptations, our joy and peace in every trial, and our light and guide through the darkness of these holy days. Amen.